For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ever read those news articles that talk about how much money it takes to raise a child? <laughs> how much babies cost and therefore why uh, they're so expensive that you shouldn't even consider? Well, today we're going to bust those myths and I have brought a very special guest onto the program to help me do it. Today you're going to meet Mrs. Radical Personal Finance herself. <laughs> Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets. Today is Monday, November 3, 2014. This is episode 94 of the show. Today, we're going to be talking about ideas and methods for saving money for babies. How do you actually cut out the, some of the massive expenses and possibly even maintain a better quality of living? And, like I said in the introduction today, many of you have wondered about her, whether she really exists or whether I made her up. And today you are going to actually get a chance to meet Mrs. Radical Personal Finance uh, Podcast herself. Real quick, before I introduce her, though, she is sitting right here ready to go, live and in person. But before I do, I wanted to just make a quick note for you. I forgot to mention on Friday's show, uh, I did an interview last week for the Family Adventure Podcast. If you are interested in hearing me talk with Eric Hemingway uh, about some of the ideas and the methodologies uh, for basically ways to save money on uh, travel and save money for travel. We're going to be, he, he took our interview and he's releasing it in two different shows. So the first show is a lot about some of the inspiration and the ideas that's already been released on his site. And then next week he'll be releasing some of the tips and tools and tactics specifically that I walked through with him, some of which you've already heard on this show. But if you're interested in that, I meant to say that over the weekend so you'd have something to listen to over the weekend. But I didn't. I forgot. So here we go. Monday, and today we're going to be talking about money, uh, saving money on babies. So I want to introduce to you my wife, Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be on. It's great to meet everybody. <laughs> so many of you have asked about her, and today we're going to. Uh, she's on, so you get a chance to hear from my wife. And let's see, we've been married two, going on three, almost three years now. And uh, we've had we've, we've been enjoying life together very much. We've known each other for almost probably almost a decade, six, yeah, seven, 10. eight. Yeah, it's almost a decade. And uh, we have one uh, we have a one year old son. So today's show, we're going to talk about saving money on on kids. And I got to give two disclaimers right off the bat. First of all, people are very touchy when it comes to kids as far as saving money and the different things that you should do. I know that saving money is not the goal and everything, and that is clearly not it. Um, we, I don't actually particularly consider us to be all that frugal. I think we do some things that are frugal, but we actually there are a lot of people that are way more hardcore than we are. We're just going to share some ideas that we have found to be helpful. Uh, you know, things that have. 
that have helped us. And primarily, we're doing this show, so I uh, was inspired by, we had a friend of ours over last week, and he and his wife, they were talking about, you know, maybe having kids at some point, and saying, like, how much does it cost? So we were just trying to give him some of the ideas that we've learned. And uh, so now we're going to create a show that can be here as a resource, uh, as a resource for people. Second disclaimer is that you just pick and choose what you want. Uh, we're going to talk through some of the things that have worked for us, but you have to recognize we only have one child, and he is one year old. So a lot of things w- that work for us probably will not work for you. We have learned from observation that uh, every child is different, and just pick and choose what you want. So one of the things I do want to start with, though, is that I have seen, and I've shared with with all of you on the show uh, on the show before, and. Uh, the, the, the place to start is you have to recognize, I think, that kids will cost exactly what you have or decide to spend on them. If you look all around the world, you will see populations of people throughout the world who have nothing and have plenty of kids. And their kids, they, they, they give their kids exactly what they have, which is not much. And then you look in some extremely wealthy environments and you find many people who have plenty and spend plenty on their kids. So, frankly, kids will cost exactly what you have, or hopefully, if you're listening uh, on this on this show, uh, what you decide to spend. <laughs> That's up to you. I don't care what you do or or don't want to don't uh, decide to spend. But we're going to talk through this in a couple of in a couple of um, areas, and we're going to start with uh, just a couple of themes. And the first one that I think is one of the biggest impediments to people for being able to save money is the idea of having time. A lot of the things that you can do to save to save money require time because a lot of times what you're spending the most money on is the idea of convenience. Now, you could take this to its extreme end and you could say, well, um, we could you know, make all of our own clothes and, and you know, make all of our own food and grow the food from scratch and, <laughs> I don't know, uh, train a horse of some kind and build a wagon. Uh, I mean, you could take it to the extreme. So I wouldn't go there. I'm not, I'm not interested in doing that. Um, but the point is that we pay for convenience. And there are certain conveniences that are probably worth paying for. Uh, and then there are certain conveniences that are um, that you got to decide. But one of the first ways to save money, save money is to have time. Uh, I really think that in a relationship, you know, in economics, generally, if you have a higher division of labor, uh, in general, you'll wind up with lower costs. And in a marriage, you have exactly the same thing. So there's a lot of things that, uh, that Tiffany is able to do now where she's home with baby uh, that she wasn't able to do before. What are some of the ideas and the things that, you've, that have changed since you uh, stopped working outside the house and started working inside the house that you now have time to, to spend a little bit more time on? Well, one big thing, I don't know if this is necessarily baby-related, but it's food shopping. Like, one source of, not contention, but stress for me is I really don't enjoy cooking and doing the whole food thing. So being at home gives me time to think, sit down, get out my app, plan my food, and then go to the grocery store and feel like I can be at ease about it. And then when I come home, I have time to cook it, and I can cook it while baby's napping. That's another thing that's nice about being home with the baby, specifically switching over from groceries, is that I can put him to his nap whenever he looks tired. I don't have to be dependent on some daycare schedule. If he's tired, he can have a nap. And if he's hungry, I can give him a snack. He's not on some institutionalized schedule. I know that's not a real reality for everyone, but that's one advantage to being able to be home with him that I can 
look at his individual needs each time and just make a decision in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference. And just, I remember back to when we were first married and when both of us were working outside the house, it just seemed like there was money leaking out all over the place simply because we didn't have time and didn't feel like it. I mean, we wound up eating out at least, I don't know, three times a week, four times a week, maybe. And usually it was just simply because both of us would get off work late, have some some schedule, something planned in the evening. We'd be so busy, we never had time to, or we never made time to, you know, be able to plan ahead to, to... to be able to eat at home or, or it's just simple things like that. And then even just the stress of both of us being outside, you know, being outside the house all day, uh, you know, we wanted more higher impact, you know, more let go, 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 go activities and, and points of entertainment where I've noticed that transition in our life. Uh, and even just like with baby, there's so many free things that you can do with baby during the day. Uh, I, I know you, you walk to the library for library story time. Uh, you can go to the park I mean, there's there are there's there's a wealth of free things that you can do with with kids that are fun, but most of them are going to come during the day and not going to be to come on the off hours. So I would strongly encourage consider making the time for uh, for at least you know for consider making the time for mom to be at home. Uh, it makes all the difference in the world. I think it's a better lifestyle for everybody. Um, do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. I don't know. I, I don't get why people want to live the the stressful lifestyles they do and is your is your stress level higher now or was it higher before (laughs) i don't know if it was higher or lower it's a different kind of stress it's more do i hear him waking up from his nap instead of oh no this project is due right right it's a different a different kind of stress and so there's there's massive if you can build time uh, especially for mom, there are uh, massive amounts of savings. What again? Daycare costs, uh, and then just all of the other things that 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 you never had time to do when when we were both working outside the house. So, um, next category on our outline here is source your stuff for free if possible. <laughs> and sounds silly, but we live in the land of massive abundance in the United States of America. And if you look at the fact that. The families that have kids often only have one or two kids. There is free kid stuff and free baby stuff everywhere. So we start with the fact that, A, kids really don't need that much stuff. <laughs> Some of you, you know, need more clothing for your kid than we do. You know, we, we don't have snow. Um, so, but frankly, they don't need that much space and they don't need that much stuff. And then the stuff that is useful to have, because there's tons of stuff that uh, there's tons of stuff that's useful to have, and that makes life a little bit easier. But that stuff is basically just floating around our society uh, entirely for free. Uh, we've had great luck with curb diving. Getting <laughs> my wife is a master. <laughs> She's trained my eyes to be better. She's a master at finding uh, free stuff on the side of the road. But let's see. So let's, you found a free rocking chair, the rocking chair you use, Oh, right? yeah. That rocking chair is awesome. I prefer it to my glider that we also got for free. All right. <laughs> and that, that, I mean, that's, that was a $200 rocking chair, oh, basically. Yeah. It was a nice one. All we, just, we painted it just because I wanted it a different color, but it was in great condition, free. Yeah. Free bassinet. Right, free bassinet, free baby swing, baby swing. Yeah, we found that on the side of the road, and a baby bathtub, which I wasn't even planning on getting. But now that we got one for free, I just think, wow, this is actually somewhat useful. Right, and we got some toys and like a 
anti-slip bath mat thing. Stuff that I haven't even used we got for free on the side of the road. Free bookshelf. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his bookshelf now is free bookshelf. We got a free um, – was the car seat that we started with, was that one the free off the neighbor? Yeah, the – our your brother's neighbor was moving right. and she had a bunch of baby stuff so she gave us her old infant car seat with two bases right which is interesting because we only have one car right and um she you know we were able to ask her has this been in an accident we could check if it was expired or not it was in great condition all i had to do was wash the cover good right. to go right if you want to set the baby forums by the way if you if you, if you don't have kids yet if you want to set baby forums on fire uh, just talk about getting used car seats, and you will you will have you will incur the wrath of the of the of the internet world on you. <laughs> and I get it. You know, you do need to make sure. I think that you need to make sure car seats. Actually, we found out learned that they have an expiration date. You want to make sure that they're not used too long. Um, and if a car seat has been in an accident, then that does damage the integrity of it. Uh, so I think it's a good idea to to uh, to change it. But I have yet to see the study. Uh, maybe you've seen any of the parenting magazines, but I have yet to see the study that shows there's a band of of car seat uh, hoodlums out there going and and taking car seats from wrecked cars and pawning them off on Craigslist to try to to destroy what, you know, parents that care about their kids. Um, we've gotten let's see, we've gotten plenty of free toys. We got a free um, free bed. Uh, the we, crib, yeah, from a coworker. He and his wife had had their second child. They were finished. Decided they were done having kids and didn't need the crib anymore, so that was right. free. And I think this is one of the keys: is there's some keys to being given stuff. Is a announce that you're having a kid, and then all of a sudden, and mention that you're looking for stuff, and then b be a good donee is the way I think about it. People like to give you things, and we like to give stuff away too. I mean, it, it makes you happy uh, in our world where there's so much stuff floating around. It makes me happy to be able to send something to a good home where it's going to get used. And so I think we've probably developed the reputation as being good gift recipients and that comes with some extra work because a lot of times maybe you're given things that that you don't um you know what some people think we're good gift recipients and some people don't <laughs> as far as um there are some things my wife and i are aspiring minimalists so um there are many things that we often accept with joy and then sometimes we're probably not so gracious in 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 refusing certain things as we should be but it's hard to you have to fight to keep clutter out of your house uh, but if you just simply get, you know, are, are good at receiving things and you don't mind sorting through stuff, a lot of times, you know, we'll get bags of baby clothes and just go through and sort through what you like and what you don't like. And, and what, uh, Tiffany does is she will go through and, and sort out the stuff that she likes that is good, sort out the stuff that is good, but she doesn't really like. And then we'll try to give that to another, uh, another parent or parent to be, and then go through and sort out the stuff that's maybe not so good and that she doesn't think someone else will serve. But we've been able to bless other people with some other things as well. So that's been, that's been useful. I do think one of the things you're good at is cleaning stuff. Oh yeah, we're we're on a first name basis with the shout gel, right? And I think this is important because it, it grosses a lot of people out. The idea of getting free stuff—you don't know where it's been, you don't know what the history is. But if you can get good at cleaning stuff, I'll tell you, I uh, we have a pressure cleaner, and I actually bartered for the pressure cleaner uh, a couple of years ago. I did some uh, did some pressure cleaning for my friend who owned the pressure cleaner, and um, in exchange for it, he was willing to give it to me. And since then, I've had a you know just a pressure cleaner that is certainly powerful, and that helps a lot because you can get stuff off the side of the road that just looks not so great. But you take the pressure cleaner to it, and it you can shine stuff up like crazy. And this is what all the stores do: you get something in that doesn't look good, you clean it up, and and move it on. 
and uh, and so get good at cleaning stuff, and a pressure cleaner is extremely useful. Uh, just this last Saturday, we had a bunch of uh, play equipment that we got for free from my uh, from my brother who was moving, and we were able to get all that play equipment, bring it to my house. I pressure cleaned it all, and it just sparkled it right up. The, you know, some of the red is still a little bit of faded from the sun, but it's it looks great. Uh, another theme I, I I think that we don't use enough in the United States is to borrow and to barter. And so one advantage we have is we live close to a lot of families. So we have a lot of babysitters, which is useful. And we try to babysit for our nieces and nephews. We enjoy being with them. And then that gives you options for being able to have babysitters for your kids. So you can go out on date night when you want to. And so for us, we have a lot of family. We have a very close church family that makes a big difference. And I would encourage you, if you don't have this, it is it is certainly challenging, you know, needing to hire uh, hire babysitters is is you know it adds up, and then so being able to live close to family, barter services one with another, uh, and then also to borrow baby stuff. So there's certain items I'm thinking right now of uh, baby carriers. So if you've ever seen uh, moms and dads with the uh, this is all the rage now in the crunchy baby, baby circles, wearing <laughs> right. There's, there's all these names for this stuff, and uh, my wife and I we 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 didn't start that set out to be, but we've long since discovered that we're beyond crunchy. Uh, and that's our use, our term for the, I don't know, you like figured natural out. natural right. sort of things. Yeah, and what's funny is we were both pretty critical of all that stuff until you start doing your research and you start doing your research on the stuff. That's what's overwhelming about having kids is you just have to do your research. And all of a sudden, um, you sent me a, a thing one time. It was like 10 things only crunchy dads would. Oh, yeah, and you were like, <laughs> you knew all of them plus two? <laughs> exactly, and I'm like, well, they missed this and they missed that. So we've turned into beyond crunchy, um, but uh, but that's cool. No big deal. But like, So the, there's this whole um, theme about this idea of baby wearing, and basically you, you, know, you snuggle with your kid in a little carrier, and it's super useful. It's a super great way to keep your baby with you. And, and keep, keep your, your hands hand, free. Right, keep your hands free. But those things are expensive to buy. So we were able to and, – and the thing is is you almost need two different kinds because there's special considerations for ones that are appropriate when the baby's an infant. And then there are special considerations for when the baby has grown a little bit. So uh, we were able to borrow – what was the c- Catan? Yeah, there was – one of our um, church families had used a baby Catan, and I didn't do any research on slings or wraps or anything. But I knew she had one, so I said, oh, I'll just borrow whatever she has. And um, – we borrowed that for the first four months or so. Incidentally, baby did not like it. Right. So yeah. it was nice that we had borrowed it. And then we borrowed a more structured soft carrier is what it's called. Ours is an Ergo brand, but there's tons of them. And this we borrowed from Joshua's sister. And it's been really great. We still use it even though he's one year old. We still use that Ergo and he tolerates it much better than he did the baby Catan. Yeah, so you are. don't want to spend a whole bunch of money and then find out your kid doesn't even like it. Right. And so it's good to borrow them first. And then, you know, if it, they're only used for a certain amount of time. So even if another family has one, I mean, the, the Ergos are expensive. And uh, so even if another family has one and you can just simply use it while they don't need it, and then who knows, maybe they'll need it again and you can pass it on. But it should be pretty durable. They can certainly certainly last more than a couple of kids. And then we got one. The problem with the the one that we borrowed was it didn't fit me. Uh, my, I'm a little bit more rotund than my wife is. <laughs> and, and I'm also a little bit taller. So we were able to switch. And I we got one on Craigslist. We researched what their biggest one was that would fit me and got one of those on Craigslist for what? 40 bucks? 40 bucks. Yeah, 40 and bucks. And evidently, we were first in line. And it was quite a line, according to this woman, because that was a deal. Yeah. 
Yeah. So barter if you can, borrow if you can, and especially with some of this baby gear, it just doesn't it doesn't wear out. The kids don't use it that much, and I hate to see the stuff thrown away. It seems so ridiculous that we use stuff one time. So in our society, look look for that. One of the other themes that we have learned is, and I think is a valuable way to save money and also maybe have a better quality of life, is if possible, try to make things or buy things, use things. Uh, that are reusable instead of disposable. And probably the best kept secret is uh, the cloth diaper world. And many people, <laughs> I've learned, we've learned in having these conversations, you get very mixed feelings when you start talking about diapers for kids. This is one of the major expenses that new parents, new parents face. And you either get people that are like hardcore, you know, cloth diapering fanatics. It's or, their religion. Right. Or you get a lot of people that just are hardcore, like that's the worst thing in the world. That's disgusting. You know, how on earth could you do that? But what I thought it'd be to do if you're eating, I don't know, maybe you want to come back to this, but I'll give you some practical tips. And we never, at least I never, I'll, I'll ask you a second, babe, your, uh, uh, your story on, on diapers, but I never had any uh, positive memories of cloth diapers. I, I knew they existed, but I just thought that was utterly disgusting when I was a kid um, growing up and you know, when you're a young man and you're not paying attention to family stuff, um, to my own discredit. Uh, but you know, I specifically remember, it's, it's funny, I, I used to work at a market research company and there was a senior, one of the senior guys at the market research company. We did a lot of research for large companies, product development, trying to find uh, what they call their um, their your white space opportunity in the marketing lingo. Is trying to figure out where do you have an ability to put a new product. And we did a lot of uh, consumer research with uh, quantitative and qualitative testing on new product ideas. And the example that. One of the senior consultants always used, he said, if you ask moms and dads what the number one thing was, is that, um, is that they're looking for is they want in a diaper product they want something that is environmentally friendly this is what people say they want but he says the the, the he would always say the story he said the solution exists now so even though they say they want environmentally friendly they clearly don't because nobody uses cloth diapers they just use disposable diapers so i always had this very like hardcore negative impression in my mind of what you know, cloth diapers were like until my wife got interested and educated me a little bit, and then that helped to to where I learned what I didn't know. So, how did you find out about or get interested in cloth diapers? Do you remember? I think my first kind of little seedling was planted by my cousin. She had a baby girl and decided that she wanted to use cloth with her baby girl. And her baby shower, instead of wanting presents and having a registry, she wanted money for cloth diapers or like gift cards or some somehow something cloth diaper related. And so that was my first thought like, oh, people do this. And then I, whenever we got pregnant with baby, I read a book called The Business of Baby. Jennifer Margulis, I think is the author. And in this book, the author talks about your different choices for lots of different baby related things. And one of her topics is diapers. So she discusses cloth diapers, and I got more of a feel for, you know, this could be a, a solution for us. And I thought about it a little bit more, just let it simmer. I was like, one day I approached you and just said, I think I'd like to do cloth diapers. So I got with my cousin and started researching online, and it is a whole world. Once you open the door to the cloth <laughs> diaper world, it's a whole different language. It's a whole different just, like, 
things that you did not know existed right, with right. the cloth diapers. It's not the same kind of cloth diaper that we grew up with. That's There's, the key. Yeah. It's, it's a world of variety and options and prices and people that sell them. It's just people get very um, particular, too, about it. But anyway, right. we've saved a lot with cloth diapers. Right. And that's the key is I think that if you if you are older, like if you have memories of how cloth diapers used to be, you can still get the same cloth diapers that maybe you grew up with or that you that you're aware of 20 years ago. But there are a host of new options and new ideas that basically take that reusable concept forward and make it a lot uh, a lot better. The amazing thing, though, is that this is not a this is not a dying market. <laughs> I could not believe you would not believe how much these things cost. Uh, it's amazing the cost that that you can pay for for new diapers. And even if you if you go and you buy them new, then you uh, it, you know you'll find that they're going to save you money over. Disposables, uh, and by the way, saving money is actually not the only reason why some people do it. There are a lot of do your own research, but there are a lot of people who do it. You know, who would do it? Who would use cloth diapers instead of disposable diapers, regardless of the money savings? Whether that's because you don't like sending dozens of diapers a week through to the landfill that sit there and take you know years and years to break down, or whether it's you're concerned about the health of the baby and all of the the, the junk that that is in the diapers uh, that makes them so absorbent. There are lots of or your child gets a rash with disposable, right. or you don't want your child's parts wrapped in plastic, right? Right, so there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of different options, but the thing I couldn't believe is that there's just this massive market for them, and they're not cheap. So, real quick, um, it's hard in an audio format, but give a couple of the 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 different types that are available. Well, I'll try to just be brief for those of you who aren't as interested in baby things. But I guess you're probably skipping this episode <laughs> anyway. Uh, there's basically three or four kinds of cloth diapers. There's prefolds, which is what we grew up with, and eighties or this, so. Yeah, this is a strip of cloth that you just lay out and you wrap around and you basically use a, a it's, it's a, got about four to six layers in the middle and three two two or three layers on the outsides. You fold it in thirds and lay it inside a cover and wrap that around the baby. Then there are flats, which are like prefolds well, I think flats are more like a towel, like a flower towel. If you buy a flower towel, evidently that's similar to a flat, but we don't mm. have any of those, so I could be wrong. Then there are pockets, which is what we have mostly, and there's a fleece layer. Well, picture a disposable diaper shape, and then the inside is a fleece layer, which keeps the moisture away from the baby's body. The outside is it's polyester with a with a lining. It's called PUL. I'm not sure exactly what the urethane lining means, but it's waterproof. Then you stuff in the inside an insert, which absorbs all the wetness. So that's a pocket. Then an all-in-one is the same concept, but you don't stuff it. The insert is attached so that there's le- there's no stuffing. There's um, no matching up after the laundry. You just use them and then wash them and use them again. So that's real helpful for dads who might not be as into the cloth diapering as their wives. Yeah. So... We probably the one we have the most of is a is a brand. I think it's one of the leading brands called Fuzzy Buns, which are the insert ones. And how much do they cost new without getting a special deal on them? Approximately twenty bucks. Yeah, so it's about twenty bucks a diaper. But they can so even but you can find Google. I didn't do the numbers before this, but do a DuckDuckGo search and uh, go and find somebody who has. Uh, 
you know, who writes out the cost of that versus disposable. Even if you bought new ones, uh, completely new ones, and use them for one kid, I think you still come ahead financially. But the key is trying to figure out some ways to buy them for cheaper. So my wife is a wizard when it comes to this. What is your current average for all the diapers that we have? Well, I have two averages. One is average of diapers that we've purchased, and one is complete average, including the free ones. Okay, so what's what's the purchased one first? Purchased is $6.41 each. And then for each diaper that we actually have? Including the free ones, it's $4.07. Nice. So we've been able... So here was one of the things I couldn't believe. And if you're if you're not into babies, if you never had a kid or whatever, this, this shocked me. You would not believe how much money you have to pay to get a used diaper. Like it is... It sounds so ridiculous to say, but you wouldn't believe it. You go on eBay and you start looking and you find out that the the, the new new ones sell for 20 bucks and a used one may sell for 11 or 12, right? That's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. depending on the brand, 7, 10, 12. Yeah, so you're like, how is it that there's no depreciation in these diapers? It's, it's, it's amazing. So um, what Tiffany did was, let's see, so tell us how you what the different strategies that you use to be able to get a bunch of these because we've got tons of them now. Tons. And how did you get them for deals? Well, uh, I've already mentioned we got a few for free. One set was from um, a family we know who started out. They were going to do cloth but didn't really catch on in their family. So they had the diapers lying around. They weren't being used, so they gave them to us. Then there was um, Free Cycle. I put out on Free Cycle that we were looking for cloth diapers. And I mentioned that I could replace the elastic and it didn't matter if they were stained. And people need to get rid of those because they can't sell them for the $12 if they're stained. So that makes it easy for them to give away on free cycle. So we got a few of those. Also, um, the ones that we did buy, I got on eBay in lots. If you buy them in twos and threes on eBay, they're going to be 10, 12 bucks. But we got them in lots of, you know, 30 diapers, 50 diapers. And that was how we kept the cost down because at that point, people want to get rid of them. When they're selling all their diapers at one time, they right. just want them to be gone, and they're willing to make a deal. Right, and you understand the psychology. I mean, if you if you if you're not going to have any more kids, and you've got all these diapers, you don't want to sit there and do individual auctions. So it's just a matter of getting rid of it, and and eBay's the way to do it. Yeah, so that saved us a ton. Um, can you think of any other and, ways? And the key, real quick, on the on the staining thing, diapers, they're not gross like you think. And that's one of the things that I learned is that, uh, and I won't go into that because I, I don't think it goes into this, but it's not – it's not, you know, the idea of the diapers being disgusting the way that I always thought that th- what it was is not how it is. So the staining is not even from the, the necessarily from the material there, uh, although it, it can be. But it's not like uh, a diaper is just this nasty brown thing. They're not. They're perfectly clean, and you can you can hang them in the sun, and you get rid of a lot of the stains. And then the elastic is something that where it goes around the leg hole. And around the uh, the, back. the back, yeah, and so there's elastic to hold them snug to the baby's to the baby's body, and that elastic just gets stretched out with use. So you can go in there, and what Tiffany does is goes in and just pulls that elastic out, and, so, and you know does some new one. It takes what ten minutes a diaper type of thing, and, and you it. don't even need a machine to do it; just right. a needle and thread and some scissors. Yeah. And so then they're basically good as new. They're, that's the only thing really that that wears out for them. So yeah, you can get them for free. Ask do you can um, buy them broken, fix the elastic, get them on on free side. And what Tiffany's done is kind of recycled them through. You get the lot to take the one she wants, pass the other ones along, or, or set them aside in kind of a rejects box, or, or you know send them along to another place. And that way, we've I mean, you've kind of 
kind of a ridiculous collection at this point. I know. It's actually really <laughs> sad. Because um, you don't need that many of them. No. And my reject box actually came in handy the other day because one of the ones I had gotten, the snap broke. Right. And um, I needed I needed to find a snap, but I didn't want to buy one of those snap pressy things because they're expensive. And I only needed to replace one snap. I could have bought a new diaper with the cost of the re- the snappy thing. So I used my reject diaper for one of the snaps and just put that older snap on this diaper that I wanted to keep using and good to go. Yeah. And so there are different sizes. Um, there's some sizes that are called one size that you can use all the way through. So if you're starting off for the first time and you're researching it, you might want to consider that, right? If you're building a collection. Yeah. If you're building a collection, um, the one size can be useful. The only thing is they're not actually, I mean, you're, they don't you fit can't the use them until the baby's grown a little bit. Right. Right. So we have what? A newborn we collection? Have, well, like you said, it's ridiculous. So this is not <laughs> anything to aspire to. We have newborn we have smalls in the fuzzy buns. We have one size fuzzy buns. And then we have one size various other things that we just got off from FreeCycle. Right. Right. So there's so you do your research if you're interested. A um, couple of quick other notes because um, this can save you a massive amount. And here's the deal is if it can save you a massive amount. It can save you some, I think, with one baby. Uh, it can save you a massive amount with two babies. If you have you know more than one or two kids, though, I mean, there's no there's nothing that wears out about them except the elastic. And so if you think of how much money the average parent spends on diapers, it's it's not insignificant. And when you can say well, we can buy a set of diapers essentially one time, and they will last through you know as many kids as you as you wind up having. That can be a massive uh, a massive cl- um, financial savings over time. And there certainly is uh, uh, additional work, and so this is one of the things. There are a few there are a few things I think that keep most people from choosing cloth diapers. Either a they may not be they may not know about it, or they may have uh, the idea that it's the same as it was in 1973, uh, and it's just simply not. It's not as difficult as it was in 1973, where you just got the you know the. It's not as difficult as it was back then. Uh, there is a lot of uh, of innovation that's gone in to make it just crazy easy. Or a lot of times is you have to have the time. So you you know you're going to do a load of laundry every day to wash the diapers. Basically, uh, you don't really want to go more than a day or two. I mean, you can go a couple days, but uh, most parents, if, if if both parents are are working outside the house, then they just simply don't you don't have the time to to deal with the laundry. Or you uh, do it at night, and then you can't hang them on the line because there's no sun left, so you have right. to put them in the dryer, which gotta, is okay. And you got to run your dryer all the time. So, you know, if you have a clo- – I mean, there's a there's an energy cost you got to figure out there if you got to run the dryer constantly. So there are reasons why people don't – why people don't do it. And I get it. Just – I would encourage – consider it. Uh, if, you've got the, if you've got the time, it really doesn't take uh, – put it this way. The rest of the world deals with cloth diapers and they don't have fancy machines where you push two buttons and the whole thing is done for you. Uh, we are so blessed. I think it's, it's a little bit silly that we don't take advantage of some of the stuff that we can. And it's pretty disgusting when you look at how much that stuff winds up in the dump and seems so absurd i mean one of the things that is a personal deal for me i think it's so silly how much of our food comes i mean you got water comes in this giant plastic bottle and the food comes just packed in plastic and and so it comes in on the it's disposable on the way in and then on the way out we wrap it up in plastic and send it away when it's entirely um (laughs) it's it's foolish you know it's entirely um could be entirely clean organic matter that's dealt with on a responsible basis instead of wrapping it up in plastic and sending it off to the landfill. So it just seems utterly out of control, in my opinion. A um, couple of other quick ideas: uh, you need you do need you. 
You do need to use special soap, so don't use your normal laundry soap with the diapers. Uh, was it the the fillers or the, what? Why why not? There's brighteners and enzymes and um, softeners, and all that stuff builds up in the diapers and causes them to repel, which right. is not good for diapers. Right. So the whole idea of the cloth diaper is there's an insert in there that absorbs the, the urine, and so that that needs to be absorbed. Um, absorptive needs to absorb easily and if you if you use normal soap it's got so much crap in the normal soap that uh that it just fills it up and you can't even even just the normal homemade soap lots of people make their own homemade soap we homemade laundry detergent that's easy to do but even still we've done that but you still can't use that you've got to use a special soap that doesn't have all that extra stuff in there we get the stuff on we get it on amazon charlie's uh, we used Charlie's for a little while, but we have really soft water, which right. is great. But it makes it, you know, takes longer to get the soap out. So we switched to Country Save, which yeah. is working out really well. And they do have name brand cloth diaper detergents. You know, Fuzzy Buns has one, and there's a popular one called Rock and Green. But those are a little bit more expensive. Um, so those are options. We just get the cheap one off Amazon. We get the five pound container. It works great. Yeah, so that's uh, one cost. And then if you're getting a washing machine, if you have any idea of it, A, you do need to consider the cost of laundry. So there's a cost in terms of time. You're going to need to run a load of laundry every day and um, uh, or at, just about every day. You don't want to let them sit uh, you know, for a couple of days. It gets, it, it starts to, they start to smell bad with the urine buildup. Um, so you're going to want to do laundry every day. If you're in a situation where you don't have a laundry machine where you can easily do that, it's probably not going to be workable for you. There are diapers services that you can subscribe to where they will come and pick up your diapers and bring you fresh ones and so you can check that out in your area see if that exists and see if it's actually a savings at that point right and 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 that would be where again a lot of people choose to do it not because it saves them money but because they don't want to you know send a bunch of plastic down to the landfill or they're concerned about the health of their of their baby with the the stuff that's in the disposables um also, if you're going to get a if you're going to get a washing machine, consider we don't have this, but it would be valuable. The way that you clean them, by the way, is to make sure that they're clean. Is you knock any if if there's any solid waste in the diaper, you knock that off into the toilet, and that usually is just pretty clean, and it, it doesn't leave anything in the diaper. It's not that big a deal. Then what you do is you do a pre rinse on them. Uh, then you wash them in hot water, and then you do a second rinse. And so with the pre-rinse, washing them in hot water, and doing a second rinse, the diapers are sanitized and they're thoroughly cleaned between every use. And it would be – we don't have this, but if our washing machine breaks, we're going to replace it with one. Uh, you can get these machines now where it's just you, you, you push two buttons, and they'll automatically do a pre-wash. They'll automatically do a wash, and then they'll automatically do a second rinse. So we've, what we have to do is we have to start it, do the pre-rinse, um, start it to do the wash, and then start to do the second rinse you got to go there three times so if you're gonna if you're thinking about this or if you're shopping for a machine consider adding that to the list of your necessary features it would save a lot of time uh and then um continuing on the the just reusable uh you made uh you made our own wipes right so we don't buy wipes yeah we had received some blankets from other people who didn't use them we have lots of blankets because people give them don't to buy you. baby blankets people will take care of those for you yeah and then we live in florida so i don't really even know what they're for but anyway we had received some nice flannel blankets and they had been well used well loved but still functional so i took them over to your mom's house actually because she has a nice machine and she sewed up all the corners for me we made little square wipes out of it out of this blanket and they've served us really well another option is to just get if you find some cheap uh baby washcloths that works really well for wipes too the only thing you got to watch for is get 
mostly cotton and not mostly polyester. A lot of the cheap ones are mostly polyester and they don't really absorb water very well, which is not good for wipes. Right. So watch for the material that you're using for the wipes. And the flannel ones are better because they're nice and I like them because they're nice and soft. And the thing is, is that you can then use reusable wipes and reusable diapers and you don't ever have to buy wipes and diapers and that, that saves money. Even if you get the, the thousand pack at Costco, I mean, they're still... <laughs> Even if you use disposables, you can still use reusable wipes and right. just put them through your regular laundry. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. Uh, and then also other reusable things, um, you know, just basically buy high-quality gear that can last and extend it over multiple kids and just try to find things that are reusable uh, if you want. One other thing, I don't know if this is comfortable for Joshua to talk about, but I'll share, <laughs> is uh, with uh, breastfeeding, you you often get these these little bra pads they go in the bra and they absorb any leakage that may occur at inopportune times and so they sell these that are disposable and they're a lot like um well feminine pads mm-hmm. where there's an absorbent layer and a waterproof layer and they're kind of crinkly so you can get these disposable but we chose to get the reusable ones i think they come in six packs and we got a few and you just you can either rinse them out in the sink or you can send them through your laundry if you have enough to wait till you're doing laundry and just use them over and over and over and over. They're just cotton. There's no waterproof layer, which allows the um, – we're going to get graphic, which allows the breast to breathe. And that's good yeah. for breastfeeding, right? right. So um, you can consider getting the reusable bra pads instead of the disposable ones because I think they're a lot more comfortable and you don't have to keep buying them. Yeah. And it's just funny how this whole reusable versus disposable thing can be applied in every area of life. I hadn't planned to talk about it, but I mean, even like feminine supplies, they're perfectly um, great options that are not disposable. And we'll ignore that for now, but go online and start Googling it and you'll find all kinds of people. So consider just buying quality stuff that can last and, and extend it through multiple kids. Another thing that we've done, I mentioned this on a previous show, but that I had no idea of, but Tiffany got interested in is another crunchy thing. It's called uh, EC. And so this also helps. And I think this one can apply whether or not you're using cloth or disposable diapers. And the idea is even if you're using disposable diapers, would you like to cut down on your the number of diapers that your kids goes through by, you know, probably greater than 50%. So explain how you found out about this. I think I got turned on to this first by a friend and then that same book, the the Business of Baby book. Okay. And your sister-in-law had mentioned it, and I didn't really ask her too much about it at that point. But then I read this book and got more interested and thought, wow, this is great. So EC stands for Elimination Communication. And it's an unfortunate name, but that is what it's been labeled, so people recognize that name. Basically, it's giving your child chances to use the potty from an early age. Some people do it from birth, some people from a couple weeks, from six months, from eight months, from 12 months, whenever you choose to start. It's just giving your child a chance to connect with those muscles so that he or she doesn't think, I use the diaper, I use the diaper, I use the diaper, and suddenly when they're three, you switch it up on them and say, oh, actually, you use the potty. It just gives them a chance to maintain that connection with their muscles and know that the potty is an option. Right, right. And so one of the statistics that I never realized that I guess would have come from that book or from your research is that – you know, some of the people who've written about this say that 
right? Or, or no, wait a second. The majority of the world's population, is that the statistic? I don't know the numbers, but basically a lot of people. Basically, outside of the United States of America, basically, practically, most of the world has their kids potty trained by about one year, right? Give yeah, or take. that's what the book said. And then we have um, some friends who visited from Nigeria. So I took the opportunity to ask this mom, tell me about your kids potty training. And at first, she kind of gave me this funny look like, what are you talking about? Right? <laughs> so I said, you know, when they stop using the diaper. She, oh, oh, okay. So <laughs> um, she told me about when she did it with her kids. And it was basically when they could stand up on their own. That's when she took off the diaper. Right. She had them go diaper free. We've done a slightly different approach. But she said her kids were trained at a year, 10 months, and I think a year and three months or something. Oh. I have a family member who is uh, Egyptian, and I know his mom always said, I think, that he was potty trained at under a year old. Yeah, nine months. Nine and months. And then I just talked with a girl on Sunday. Her mom's from St. Lu- well, they're both from St. Lucia, and her mom had her trained at before a year. Right. So it's really startling is that you never – I never even knew this existed because you just always assumed – I always heard of, of friends and family members potty training their kids at you know two or three years old I think is about normal in our, in our culture. And I never even knew it was possible to do, <laughs> to, do, to do anything different. And then you start researching and you find, wait a second, the rest of the world does it at this. And then again, there's a whole – you want to open up a can of worms and mix among all the parents and they're going to get – you're going to damage the psyche of the child and you're forcing your kid and all this stuff. But what's funny is that – <laughs> my opinion and you do what's right you got to you i think in anything in parenting you need to watch what's working and what's not working in your own kids and in your own family and just simply observe observe that and work with the situation if if what you're doing isn't having the desired results change and if 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 you're seeing stress or you're seeing something then change what you're doing don't get don't become a slave to a certain out you know philosophy or or idea focus on what's working and what's not working for you and you know take what's useful and discard the rest but what's uh, uh, interesting to me is that if you research, you'll find some people who believe – I have no idea what's true and I, don't, and I don't care that much to research it out. But some people would say, well, you know, who gets rich off of, uh, who gets rich off of a delayed potty training? It would be the diaper company. So I was talking with a friend recently and we labeled it Big Diaper. So you can be, uh, you can be glad that you could profit from Big Diaper in your uh, consumer staple companies and your, your portfolio. Uh, and I, again, whatever. I don't care much about that. But the point is that if you had to deal if you were dealing with cloth diapers and you didn't have a uh, a washing machine to use, you would have a high, a much bigger incentive to help your child learn to control his or her bathroom needs at an earlier age than we have, where it's relatively convenient just to wrap it up in a little piece of plastic and toss it out. So uh, it's pretty cool. So we started with our son uh, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, and basically just giving him the connection between. When he needs to go to the bathroom and, 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 you know, letting us know that and, and kind of working through it. And I don't want to go through details on it. You can go and research it. There's better resources. It's called EC, though. But the point is that it saves a bunch of diapers. And it's not unusual for us to go through a, well, it's, it's, it's unusual for us to have a bowel movement in a diaper. So that's kind of, it does still happen. Uh, he's certainly not potty trained in the sense that we all expect where there's no accidents. But it's unusual and kind of a surprise when we have a bowel movement here at what, he's 13 months old uh, in the diaper. And then even with um, him needing to urinate, uh, he, we may go 
I mean, probably many days we often have two diapers. Two to three. Yeah, two to three diapers on many days. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if it's worth doing the laundry. Right, right. And some days, you know, some days maybe it'd be five or six because, you know, it goes in phases when you're you're working at this age. But if you can go from, again, we can go from... Uh, well, with a cloth diaper, you don't do the you don't do the twelve hour diaper thing. You can do with a, with a very disposable, excuse me, a very absorb absorbent um, disposable diaper. But again, two to three diapers in a day is not unusual. Some days it'll be one, and some days it'll be six. But probably average would be you know two to three, and so that's a real that can be a real savings even if you're using disposable diapers. Yeah, and one quick um, note while we're just finishing up with the cloth diapers is some people think that cloth diapers are pudgy they they think they're too fluffy and give the baby's bum a fatter look um i disagree maybe it depends (laughs) on the brand i have not had that problem and we used disposables on a trip one week we went out and didn't want to haul our cloth diaper collection and try to find laundry facilities so we're like well we'll use disposables and i noticed that the disposables when they when they get wet they puff up and get all squishy and smelly so, in my opinion, the cloth diapers are actually skinnier, slimmer than the disposables because those things puff up. I always chuckle about this. I was talking with a buddy of mine recently, and my wife is she's being very um, uh, careful in how she expresses herself, but she is not a fan of disposable diapers and <laughs> It's very funny to me how you can have two different people that can look at the same set of facts, uh, you know, around the same subject and get polarizingly opposite uh, perspectives. So my wife is very polarized in the direction of I can't understand why people use disposable diapers, and they're they're but yet she's in the vast minority. The majority, I think, of moms would be horrified at the idea of doing reusable cloth diapers, and they're like, "Well, oh, it's so great, they're awesome." So <laughs> you do your own research decide what uh, decide what you want to what you want to do from there um two last quick areas to, to to finish up here um food so one of the things that is also helpful and i think that you got you have to deal with what your own situation is uh as far as medically and this is cer- there are certainly always special situations with all of these things but you can save a lot of money if you breastfeed and we have lots of friends who are not able for various reasons and if that's the situation that you're in you can deal with it but i know for us uh just simply breastfeeding exclusively um what we didn't again we don't do any of this stuff because it's just uh, we're going to save money and not spend money on our kid but it that uh, that winds up being a big a big savings uh and i know i mean it's certainly challenging at at, at times right yeah we've definitely had our issues breastfeeding is not easy yeah probably Um, the thing that surprised us most as new parents is we prepared a lot for the birth of the baby but we weren't prepared for the challenges of of breastfeeding uh but it's been positive oh yeah it's been um worth it it's been right. worth it yeah there's definitely it. been rough patches we've had problems and if you're not committed to it you can easily just say i'm done with this yeah and many people do and you know that's their decision but for us we did breastfeeding and um it, it does save a lot because that formula cost can add up yeah, and it's just a lot more convenient too. In many ways, you don't have to always have all this paraphernalia that goes with uh, that goes with the uh, you know the, the bottles and all that stuff. We got given some of that free stuff. But I don't. Know, we used it like three times, type of thing. Yeah, and, and we have um, friends who they the breastfeeding didn't work. Like they, she couldn't or they 
I think I'm thinking of two people. They couldn't breastfeed for whatever reason. Their mm-hmm. children wouldn't latch on. So they pumped exclusively, right. and that had a lot of paraphernalia, but they were so committed to giving their babies breast milk. And again, don't feel condemned if this isn't right. you. I'm just saying that, you know, it just depends on your level of commitment if you're able. Right. And so the, uh, you can get uh, a free pump if you're going to pump on, on your health insurance. That's the standard now after the Affordable Care Act is that that's covered as part of the policy, all the policy um all the policy def- definitions. So check that out for yourself. But more breast, you know, breastfeeding is fairly self-explanatory. But one of the other interesting things is uh, where did where did baby led weaning come from? Is I that the same? I think I just kind of picked it up on all the mommy. Once blogs you start getting crunchy stuff. and you start like reading the mommy blogs and you get into the forums and whatnot, you find all this other crunchy stuff. And like then once you get comfortable with challenging your own assumptions and you're like, oh, I wonder what that. Oh, wait a second. Here's another thing I don't have a clue about. And you start researching. <laughs> and what's funny to me, my brother asked me one time, he said, Joshua, why are you so weird? And like, why do you just like do all this weird stuff? And I said, and I, I, I didn't get a chance to respond to him but later i was thinking about it and i said listen i never set out to be weird like my goal is not to be a, a, an oddball but it's when you start looking at certain things and you have certain information you start looking at facts i always look and say who can who can change my mind you, you know let's side a and side b you present the evidence so uh you know if my kid could be out of diapers at 12 months and or if my kid can be out of diapers at 36 months convince me you know lay out your evidence and show me why I should do one or the other. And I just find that a lot of times the weird stuff has better, has better supporting evidence. And then you take it and you try it out. So one of these, one of the weird things that, that we found is something called baby led weaning. I think that's the name of the book that popularized it. Right. Right. And explain what that means and how it works and, and what, like the impact of it. Again, this is one of those terms that has been popularized. So that's what it's called, but it doesn't necessarily make sense right. to our culture. Evidently, it was started or popularized in the British culture. So they use the word weaning, from what I hear, to mean not stopping the milk, but rather introducing food. Mm -hmm. So when they say baby-led weaning, they mean baby-led feeding. Right. And the idea of this concept is that you don't give the baby mush and you don't just shove it in their mouths. Instead, you give them pieces of food that they are able to pick up. There's all kinds of guidelines. You don't just right. give this. Read to the book. Don't newborn. just go based upon what yeah, we're saying. Yeah, don't don't do anything without reading the book. But um, basically, you follow the guidelines and you give your six to seven month old about two inch pieces of food, real food, not mush, and they will pick it up in their fist and stick it in their mouth and start gnawing on it and chewing, just learning how to eat food and learning about textures and different tastes. So instead of getting mushed up peas and carrots every single day, which I don't actually enjoy eating, (laughs) the uh, baby can choose what he or she is feeling that day. And at this stage, we're not worried about you need to eat this much protein and that much vegetables because you still still get breast milk. But um, at that early stage, it just gives them a chance to choose what they want to eat and explore the different textures and learn how to bring their food to their mouths. It's good for their coordination. And um, it just gives them a lot more independence because they're not they're not having something forced into their mouth that they haven't even seen. They get a chance to pick it up, look at it, taste it, you know, wave it around in the air and feel what it how heavy it is. It's not just all the same, same everyday mush mush. Yeah. 
And the reason it's important to read the book is that in order to do it safely, I mean, the, the primary reason that we feed, I think, in our culture, we feed kids mushed up, mashed up baby food is because we're concerned about them choking on solid food. And that is a, an incredibly valid concern. I mean, we, we keep a very close eye on our son. And uh, I mean, he doesn't eat. There's some important safety things that you need to observe when when working with babies. But the key is actually that you can observe those safety things without having to mash all the food up. And we, you know, we were a little skeptical at first, but we tried it out, tried it, you know, very carefully. And we learned that is actually true is that babies can learn to eat without having to go just to the solid, you know, excuse me, just the, the mashed up foods. They can learn to eat with the solid foods and the soft foods as they work into it. And there, there are other ancillary advantages. If you believe the proponents of the theory, uh, there are other benefits as far as, for example, we never make baby food. It's just whatever we're eating. That's what baby eats. And a lot of some of the things he can eat, some of the things he can't eat physically eat, but he'll still expose himself to the tastes of it uh you know at eight months old there's not a chance he was gnawing on a raw carrot but he still can stick the raw carrot in his mouth and get experience with it and he's not actually getting any of it but the cook carrots you know he can so at this point you know he eats all the food that we eat so that saves you having to a buy baby food but even it saves you having to make baby food uh we have a lot of friends that are you know very Concerned, careful about this, and one of the one of the methods that they use to save on baby food is by making it. So they they have a baby, you know, these grinder things. Yeah, that, they're like some kind of machine that steams it and like mashes it. Yeah, there's all this special paraphernalia to make your own baby food, which is awesome. I think that's you know cool. But but we decided to try this other thing, and so far it's been a, it's been a positive experiment. At least with this son, who knows? Maybe uh, with another baby, it would be very different. But. Um, but it's been a positive experience, and you can just feed the kid what you're eating. And then by being exposed to a massive range of flavors, then uh, ideally, you know, at least those who research, partly through babies who are breastfed, uh, oftentimes are exposed to a much broader range of flavors, um, right? The, 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 yeah, the, because the formula tastes the same each time, whereas the breast milk changes based on what mom ate. Right, so they have more adventurous tastes because the breast milk changes flavor. And then also, with the approach with the baby-led weaning, baby's trying everything. And what's interesting is that that they'll try some things and not eat it sometimes, and then the next time they'll try it and not eat another time. So my wife and I, we really enjoy Thai food and Mexican food. Man, that kid was not a fan of Mexican food the first, first time, couple times but we gave it like to him. he did like the Thai food. He did like the Thai food. But now, you know, Mexican food seems to be no problem. So he enjoys the different the different flavors at different times. So check that out. It can be it can be a, a useful um, it can be a useful. Uh, idea because if you can eliminate the the cost of baby food and just simply feed the food that you're eating and then if you can eliminate even the extra cost of time to make your own baby food from the food that you're eating which is what many parents do maybe that can be maybe that can be helpful and one other um advantage with the baby led weaning is you can eat your food because baby's feeding him or herself you're right. not sitting there with a jar and a spoon right. trying to get the food in. Here comes the airplane. Right. You just eat your food and let baby eat his food, and it's just comfortable for everyone. You can still talk to your family. It's more social that way, and baby learns social interaction at the table yeah. because he's eating with everybody else. It just has been – I mean it frees up your time while you're eating right. your food. Even It frees up your time not having to make the baby food, and it frees up your time while you're eating. Right. Yeah, we've never fed him as far as like take the fork and spick, stick it in his mouth. We've never done that. It, and uh, again, read. Don't don't go based upon this. If this piques your interest, awesome. Go and research it. There are some important things you need to do to care for the safety of your baby. And so the best thing is read the book, 
called Baby, Baby Led, Led Weaning. Okay, yeah. So uh, read the book and, and follow the suggestions there. Um, oh, one uh, one thing we don't save money on if you. Uh, Baby food. The whoever invented the little pouches of baby food, that person deserves every dime of profit they get. Uh, if you, one of the things that we do that is the best invention ever is that you can buy baby food on. You can buy baby food where instead of coming in a little glass jar that you got to sit there with a spoon and feed it to the kid, uh, it just comes in the pouch and uh, and and the baby can just stick it in their mouth and eat it. And we do use that. I, I so we have fed that. So if you're in the car or something like that and you need you need food those pouches are awesome and uh so that is one place where we we pay we try to get them on sale but that is not cheap but they're worth it yeah that's one thing (laughs) we don't save on those and we don't use them every day just when we're out or if we're traveling and you don't know what food's going to be served baby's not a huge fan of pizza right now right so if we're having pizza he needs a pouch just to get him through that meal and those pouches are so great that you can get the organic ones if you're into that or you can get um and they're all like BPA-free packaging and all okay. this like, no like GMOs a, and stuff right. like that. So you feel really good giving this to your kid. <laughs> feels like it's worth the dollar yeah, twenty yeah. you paid for. <laughs> They've got good labeling. They're not cheap, but they are. Although we did try, we did try to make um, some of our own. So we used oh, the yeah. spouts. Uh, it was kind of a, I would say, probably a semi-successful experiment. The problem was is that we don't, since we don't really feed baby baby food at home, and it's purely if we're on the road and trying to figure out what do you give what do you give baby when you're on the road. That then making it yourself, and then w- what we did is we used the spout, the, the 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 mouth on it, and we put it in a plastic bag, and then you put the food in the plastic bag. And I think that would be a good solution if your baby were eating baby food, but we ours kind of eats the normal food, and then so it was the the pouches are more for the idea of having this thing that's not going to spoil with you wherever you go. Yeah, and I saw another idea on a website. Um, I think it might have been Money Saving Mom, but sorry if I'm wrong. It was she used a pipe piping bag, mm-hmm. frosting piping bag, right. and put the the mouth spout in that bag, and that seemed to work really well for her. I've never tried it, but that's an idea too. If you want, if you like the idea of the pouch, but still want to make your own or try to save money on buying all those pouches, that's an idea. Yeah, for sure. And then probably the last theme, the, the short theme that I have here is I think it's consistent. One of the the key ideas is is basically planning ahead. Uh, if you wait until the last second and you don't have – if you haven't planned ahead, then you're subject to the market conditions wherever you happen to be at that time. So the food is a simple example is if you if you haven't planned ahead to buy the little pouches on sale where, and, and have them with you, then you got to buy whatever you have there. And, and sometimes you find that and sometimes it's cheap and a lot of times it's not. So little things like making sure you have the food with you in advance and being prepared. And again, most parents find out they need – you know, I, I don't know a parent who doesn't think this way. But, uh, but then that also can be applied to other things. So for us, we, you know, clothes, we get lots and lots of clothes, but they don't all fit babies. So um, we have a uh, – I got one of those shelving compartments. And what do we have? Eight bins of clothes, seven, something like that? I think we have five for boy stuff and one for girl stuff just in case in the future we should have a girl. It's right. my stuff from when I was a baby. Right. So I, I built her – we got one of these shelving units and it has a bunch of those big, giant, you know, Rubbermaid bins on it. And then it's labeled out zero to six months, six to 12 months. And that way you can be ahead with the, the clothes and you can collect them when they're cheap and have them stored. Now, you need storage space. So if, you do, if you're living on a sailboat, this is not going to work. But then if you're living in a sailboat, you don't need that many clothes. So <laughs> you can uh, – you can you 
economize in that way. But planning ahead makes a big deal. Another like little thing that we did is when we were choosing a car seat, we chose specifically. We did research, and uh, you know, you use for the first few months, you use those little infant carrier things, and that was great. And again, we got one of those for free. But then we needed to buy a car seat, and so we planned ahead and and researched the kind that is skinnier, so that you could put them. Um, multiple ones across in the back seat there's this one ours is a diono radian r rxt yeah so diono radian rxt and the idea here is that if you do have multiple kids and we're hoping to have more kids if you have multiple kids then you can put you know even three car seats uh, across in a small car so that allows you to not have to get a larger a larger vehicle we have a minivan but that all uh, but that would mean maybe that we could rent a, a full-size car if we were on a trip instead of having to always rent a minivan who knows i mean the minivan is way better than a car but uh, as far as just lifestyle stuff but uh so that's one little way that we thought we we, i think we thought ahead we'll see and then it also that specific seat goes from almost infant to from five pounds to 120 yeah so it's it's, an infant seat a kid's seat and a, a booster you just take off the strappies and it becomes a booster yeah so theoretically you know if you had one kid there could be one car seat that could work for that whole time uh so that would be an option as well uh oh and then any other thing else as far as planning ahead um, that you have ideas on or anything we missed that you wanted to say? Uh, not that comes to mind right now, but I'll let you know. Okay. So last thing, and I don't want to – this is too touchy as far as people – you need to look into what you actually have. But one of the thoughts is also that we paid a lot of attention to is during pregnancy, trying to figure out how to make sure that you're doing everything you can to control any potential costs with having the baby. Uh, I would never prioritize – financial costs over you know a safe baby to me that's a that would be there are some things that there are some things that you need to economize on and some things that you don't need to economize on and one of those is is planning ahead carefully for making sure that you have the best you know the best childbirth experience possible um however in that context there are a lot of things that you can do to maybe avoid some of the uh not so fun aspects of childbirth that might also result in in a large financial cost. So we worked very hard to try to make sure that we could avoid um, having a C-section. And so we did things like uh, had uh, prenatal chiropractic care all, all through Tiffany's uh, pregnancy. So that and that can make a big difference. And we feel it was really helpful for us. You know, if if all the bones and the hips and everything are lined up properly, that makes for a much easier natural childbirth instead of uh, potentially having a, a C-section, which can take your pregnancy costs from what five thousand bucks to thirty thousand, thirty-five thousand bucks. And in the United States of America, you got to work very hard to uh, to avoid. Um, having a C-section. Thank God the the, the technology has been invented because man, there have been you know hundreds of thousands of moms' lives saved and babies' lives saved with it. But you know we wanted to do everything we could to to avoid that. So those are some of the ideas that we have. Um, anything else I missed that that, that you want to mention before uh, you want to just say hi to the audience, <laughs> thank them for listening because I give you the reports. <laughs> Uh, thanks for letting me come on the show. It was great to have my 15 minutes of fame on the ever popular Radical Personal Finance podcast. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought all of you might enjoy uh, hearing from my wife. So now she's been on the show, and we'll see if you liked it. Let us know. Let her know. Uh, she's uh, a big factor in my ability to be able to do the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate your being here. That's it for today's show. This week, I'm going to be airing... Uh, it's going to be a good week on the show. I'm going to be airing a couple more interviews. Let's see. I think I will release the... 
have like five interviews saved and I'm not sure which two I'm going to release this week. So uh, before, I should have thought that out before hitting record here. Uh, I may, I'm going to release, I think, one of the ones with Joe from the Money Mustache forums on, on uh, should I pay off debt first or should I invest? Uh, so I think I'll release that. And then I've got which one of the other ones am I going to do soon? I, I'm not sure. Check back tomorrow and you'll see which show I released. Uh, coming up on episode 100, I'm going to give you guys some information. I'm going to launch a member support program for the show. So if you like the show, if you're in, if you're enjoying it, if you get a lot of value from it, then that'll be available for you. Um, oh, and I got one email from a listener. Uh, if you listen to the music, you're going to hear a lot of texture with the music. And the reason for that is uh, actually that for the first like 80 episodes of the show, I had a cable that wasn't actually playing the song. With all that fun texture and all the background. So <laughs> I finally got a new cable, and I feel so bad for Dano, the guy who wrote the song and recorded it, that there was just so much texture to the song that wasn't being recorded because my cable, for some reason, wasn't getting the output correct. So it wasn't until I was doing my show in FinCon where I heard it was somebody else's cable, and I said, man, what is that? So enjoy the texture of the music. Be back tomorrow with another show. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little diversion from uh, the normal day-to-day, but I did want to, uh, I know many of your parents, and those are just some of the ideas that we've had that have helped us. Would love your ideas in the comments come by today's show at radicalpersonalfinance.com slash 94 and comment. listening to today's show. This show is intended to provide entertainment, education, and financial enlightenment. Your situation is unique, and I cannot deliver any actionable advice without knowing anything about you. This show is not, and is not intended, to be any form of financial advice. Please, develop a team of professional advisors who you find to be caring, competent, and trustworthy, and consult them because they are the ones who can understand your specific needs, your specific goals, and provide specific answers to your questions. Hold them accountable for your results. I've done my absolute best to be clear and accurate in today's show, but I'm one person and I make mistakes. If you spot a mistake in something I've said, please come by the show page and comment so we can all learn together. Until tomorrow, thanks for being here.